Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. You know, I always say that we talk to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, and anybody with that entrepreneurial spirit. But it came up the other day in a conversation that I don't talk to a lot of people who have full-time jobs, but who have that entrepreneurial spirit and either are doing entrepreneurial things in their role or have kind of that side hustle going on where they're doing something. So I started thinking about who do I know, who do I run into, who has a job, who I think, huh, you know, the way they approach it, they really are, they really are an entrepreneur at heart. And I thought of my friend Dan Fail. Now, Dan works on college campuses. He spent his career uh, as an advisor working in a role with students, working in the Greek life office at a couple different universities. And earlier this year, he sort of reinvented himself, made a move, moved across the country to a new university and is starting over. And yet he still has that spirit, that sort of, that sort of looking to the future, creating new things. And I thought, you know what, Dan, do you want to be on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do? And I know he listens to the show. And he said, yes. And then he said, but I don't have my own business. What are we going to talk about? And I said, we're just going to have a conversation about that spirit of being an entrepreneur, that spark. And Dan's the type of guy who doesn't look for reasons to say no. He looks for reasons to say yes. And he said, let's just have a chat. So Dan Fail, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks so much, Tom. So Dan, why don't you give a little bit of a background of what it is that you do in your day job? Sure thing. I think first off, I want to say I really need you to follow me around and just introduce me wherever. Like I know that that's part of what you do in terms of emceeing. I used to think that when I was a kid, I wanted the uh, the movie, um, you know, the voiceover guy to do the trailers as I walk in, you know, you now go. bringing, now coming Dan Fail. Walking uh, into think- the dinner party is Dan <laughs> Fail. <laughs> exactly. No, um, yeah, so I, I think just a little about me. So uh, I've done a lot of different things. And I think the more I started to think about our conversation coming up, I realized that I've always been into starting something on the ground floor or being a part of something new. Uh, So when I was an undergraduate at University of North Carolina, Wilmington, I was a part of a group that started a new fraternity on campus. And that really paved my path for the rest of my life uh, to where I am today. It's interesting that you say that because I actually joined a fraternity that had just gotten its charter when I was at San Diego State. And so it was a brand new house. And I always tell people that the beta house at San Diego State was sort of my introduction to startups because we had a goal that we wanted to get in and create like, you know, what would become a top house on campus. But, you know, we were like 30, 30 guys and the average size of the top houses on campus were, you know, 80 to a hundred. And in the four, four, yeah, I like to dream my dad's, checkbook wishes I was out in four. In the five years that I was there... No shame in a victory lap. Hey, you know what? And I'd still be there if they would have let me. But, uh, you know, we actually did grow into being one of the top houses on campus, you know, based on that sort of opinion poll of who's the top house. Of course, 10 years later, we got kicked off campus and they've never gone back. But I was long gone by then, not my fault. So I agree with you that that getting involved young with something and, and starting it, I think it sort of shapes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I went to college at 17, so I was certainly looking for somewhere to call home outside of home. Uh, and, you know, here was this group of guys that 
really were just completely random when you look across the board. And we obviously had a goal to do fraternity different. We didn't just want to be a frat. We wanted to be a fraternity of of different thinkers, of different people, so that we didn't look like a cookie cutter. And I would say that we accomplished that really well. Did we want to be the top chapter on campus? Of course we did. Um, and we set our hopes high and we set our aims high. And within a couple of years, we certainly hit that mark. Um, I think that what's interesting now, I'm doing a lot of leadership development and transition with my current student groups. We didn't do that so well. Uh, and shortly thereafter, when we started, we fizzled. Uh, and, and that's something that, that we've not gone back to the campus. I, I hope that we are given that ability to go back at some point. And now that I'm much more local to the my undergraduate, maybe that's something that we can take on. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the experience of Greek life being a mm-hmm. positive for someone in their life and their career. Because let's face it, fraternities and sororities, they get a pretty bad rap out there in the media. You know, this year has not been a great year uh, in terms of the the PR landscape. (laughs) Um, I think what continues to drive me is the feeling of hope, Uh, is the feeling of not that, oh, God, I hope I'm doing a good job. It's that I see the spark. You see that change in people. You see that when fraternity and sorority, when done right, has got the ability to move so many different facets of not just an undergraduate experience, but of a complete community or or country. And that's what I really continue to come back to is it's the investment in, you know, the the college students that really has that ability to shape where they go with their life. You know, I've got two kids and I hope that I continue to be a good role model for them. And just like all of the students that I have, I hope to be a good role model for them too. Well, and it's interesting because, you know, I joke about the fraternity being sort of my first experience with the idea of a startup. But one of my fraternity brothers had the opportunity, I'd like to say the pleasure, of being in an audience where I was the keynote speaker. And afterwards, he had texted a bunch of our college friends saying that because he didn't know I was going to be the keynote speaker at this association meeting. He just happened to be a member of that trade association. And when he showed up and they introduced the speaker. He's like, no way. And so he was texting while I was speaking. He was texting all of our friends going, you're not going to believe who the keynote speaker is at this event that I'm at. And my friends were saying, is he any good? And he was so funny because he wrote back and he was very complimentary of the speech. But he said, it's as if Tom, it's as if he took being social chairman and rush chairman and turned it into a career because he's standing up here talking to us about how we can maximize this conference. And it was no different than what he'd do before, you know, a rush party or, or a mixer, you know, and telling us how to, you know, make sure we engaged with everybody at the events. And so he was making fun of me that, you know, I was still doing the same things I was doing in college. But I thought about it later and I thought, yeah, that's, I did learn early on sort of how to, you know, be involved with events because of my experience. And now I make my living from being at events. So I think sometimes people underestimate what you can learn from, you know, being social chairman of, of a Greek organization. Well, and that's the big thing. I think it, it gives us life skills as as a whole. And and I've certainly been comfortable in front of people. I was president and, and, and a, as from one social chair to another, planning those events is never fun, especially hoping that everyone shows up. But I think where it really pans out is it affects you. It, it gives you a bond with other people, but really it's an investment. And that's where I, you know, I joke with some people about the buying the friends and everything. And yes, I bought my friends. I bought them for, you know, four years in a row. And it was the best investment that I ever made. I rented mine, but I had an option to own. So they're still around. <laughs> well, and, and actually, I was talking to one person who runs one of the big Greek organizations. And he says, you know, where else does a 20 year old, if they're housing manager, 
Where else does a 20-year-old get a budget that in some cases is over $100,000 a year that they have to manage? That Mm -hmm. just doesn't happen to a college student unless they're in an organization like that. So true. So what do you do now? So your job now revolves around helping the, the fraternity and sorority systems at a university. Correct. Yeah. So I'm the director of fraternity and sorority life. Um, so I've been in this new role for about six months, but I've been doing this job for about 12 years now. So you decided this year to sort of reinvent. You found a, an opening back in North Carolina where you're from, and you decided to take the leap and, and start over. Tell, let's talk about that. We talk a lot on this show about reinvention. Mm-hmm. Well, the position had come up. I had been in my last job for about eight years and um, had been doing some great work and was still finding good value in it, but realized that in order for me to move on to whatever that next stage was going to be, and I'm still figuring that part out, but in order to move on, I needed the ability to supervise. I wanted to be able to set direction for my own department. And then uh, being from North Carolina, that ability to come back had, had always been kind of in the back of my mind. And this position opened up at the university I'm at right now, and it has been certainly challenging. It has been very rewarding, and it's been overall a journey that I'm glad that I took. So a lot of people wouldn't think of working for a university as a place for somebody who really has you know, an entrepreneurial spirit. They kind of probably would think, oh, that's kind of stodgy. How does somebody like you who, who wants to create and change and grow something, how do you fit into a university campus? I think a lot of it comes back to the ability to navigate within whatever situations or circumstances you find yourself in. But where I tend to thrive is that brainstorming setting, the idea generation of what can we do to bring new life to something. And I've got the privilege to work with some great staff members and some great students who are joining me in that vision here. So For instance, when I started, I was looking at our risk management program, and there is nothing that says, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great presentation, like a risk management program. (laughs) Oh yeah, because everybody wants to come to the risk management talk. Exactly. And especially when looking at the former slides, all of the slides were legitimately the rules, slide by slide, and they would just read them off. And Like, I like thought, how many words on each slide did the original oh, old presentation would, have? It would drive every one of us that do any sort of public speaking crazy. Um, <laughs> and so I just kind of looked at it and said, this is not good at all. This doesn't feel engaging. Uh, and so I kind of took that and, and flipped it around and said, let's look at a way to, to do this work differently, specifically with risk management. How do we make it engaging? Uh, so I, I like to think that I brought a, a level of realism to it and a level of, okay, look, this is the rule. Let's talk honestly about the rule, why it exists. Let's give better context. You know, and how do we talk about consent in a way that it, it sounds better than just consent? How do we talk about the legal drinking age is 21. How do we have these conversations where you don't have an audience of 2,000 people tune out? So in order to come in and sort of be a change maker, obviously your superiors have to be on board with that. I mean, otherwise they would just say, no, here is the PowerPoint that we have given to these people for the last five years. Mm -hmm. So when you were going through the interview process, was that something you were looking for? Were you interviewing your bosses as well? I think we do that in every facet of our lives. That's certainly something I was looking at, um, when I interviewed, they gave us a, pre- a presentation topic, and it was the most general, broad topic. And I thought to myself, there is no way in the world I could cover this topic in the 20-minute presentation window that I have. So I looked at it differently. I said, how would I want to be and how would I want to be in, in the audience receiving this? Well, I would want good visuals that's not text-heavy. I would want a couple of powerful bullet points to talk about. 
And so that's the approach that I took with it. So I would like to think that my presentation that I gave is something that they signed on to and something that they were looking for as well. So you've brought up a couple of times how when you approach something, you often look at it from the side of the other people. Hey, if I was in the audience, how would I want to receive this information? Is that something that you do often? I try to whenever possible is what would keep me engaged? What would make me want to listen? And how do I approach something differently for them? How do I give them a new nugget or a new pearl of wisdom, as it were, that they've never heard before or that they've never heard in such a way? So one of the other things I know about you is that you also kind of have a little a little side business going as a speaker and a facilitator teaching in the college market. And so tell us a little bit about that. Sure thing. So several years ago, I heard about a company um, called Campus Speak and started to look a little bit more into them. About six or seven years ago, I applied to be a facilitator with them and said, you know, I, I like to facilitate. I'm, I'm good in front of people. I think I can do this. And over the course of the last seven years, I've been trained on a lot of their different interactive workshops. And I get a lot of excitement out of being able to go to different college campuses across the nation and, and deliver a three-hour workshop. So it's not a not to the traditional 45-minute to an hour-long keynote. It's three hours of very interactive, very upbeat, but sometimes very hard conversations to have. And I, that really energizes me to not only challenge and, and push, but to also support in a, in a comfortable environment for them. So what are the topics that you cover when you, when you do this facilitation around the country? It really depends on what we get uh, kind of asked to serve. The one that I enjoy doing the most is it's called Elephants and Onions, which is a social justice workshop. It's you know talking about the elephant in the room and, and peeling back the layers of the onion. So I often joke that we're all going to get big and hairy together and we're going to cry a little bit. <laughs> now, in order to have a full-time job and then to have a side hustle that takes you onto airplanes to go across the country to other campuses, you clearly have to have bosses that have been supportive of that, both in the job you were in before and where you are now. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. And I, I think that's part of just being honest and upfront. When I interviewed at the university that I'm at, I said, this is something that I get a lot of passion out of, and this is something that drives me, and I really enjoy doing it. It also keeps me up to speed on some of the different trends and some of the different topics in higher education, which is extremely important these days. Well, and if you're going around to different campuses and speaking to different college groups, I mean, it actually makes you, in my opinion, a more valuable employee at the university you're at because you're constantly being in front of people and you're interacting with other people who are in that college world. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think so. So you have this sort of internal spirit and you've you know sort of reinvented yourself. So when we put you on a show called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and you have to think about sort of what makes me entrepreneurial? How would you describe your own internal entrepreneurial spirit? That is an incredible question. I think for me, what I often see is what can be done better? What can I look at either personally, professionally, academically? What, what can I look at that could just be better? I think that that's something that I often strive for is this was a good event or this was a good thing what's next and what's the next evolution of it? And I, I hit that point for myself, um, personally and professionally, where I said, this is okay, but where do I need to be next? And what's that next evolution of me personally? Uh, and that's kind of what has taken me here is the, let's take an introspective look. Having worked at a Jesuit campus for, for eight years prior to this one, it's a great reflective tool to be able to look at oneself and say, where am I? Where do I want to be? And what do I see myself doing? 
Well, and I've been talking a lot to people about sort of careers that get stuck in the high middle. A lot of people look at themselves and they say, I got a pretty good job. I've risen to this level where I'm respected where I work and, I, and I'm doing good stuff. And, and they sort of stop taking that oomph, that push, that risk to take them to a new level. So what was it that made you say, yeah, I've got this great job and I got this great thing going, but I'm going to move all the way across the continent and reinvent? I mean, what was it inside you that motivated that? I think a lot of it was just this internal voice that I heard that said, this is good. This isn't you and this isn't where you need to be. But I don't think everybody listens to that voice. I think we have it. In fact, you know, I'm in the process of doing some writing that discusses directly that internal voice that is screaming at you saying, get to where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I told Jiminy Cricket to shut up several times <laughs> over the course of over the course of uh, what, 12 years almost living in, in California. And I realized that I... I needed to start listening to my own voice and and say, hey, you know what, Jiminy, you've got some good stuff to say. Let me start listening to it. And lo and behold, here I am. So what advice do you have for somebody who's there? They're stuck in the high middle. They've got a good job, but they know it's not their calling. They know it's, they're not living up to their full potential. They aren't being internally entrepreneurial. What advice do you have for them? I would say start to listen to who you are. And if you're not sure where to even start with that, start to ask with, who are you? What are you looking for? Are you happy with where you're at? Where do you want to be? And not the, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I'm never a fan of that question because life happens. Um, And where I would also kind of challenge is who are some people that can push you? Not who are the friends who will support you and will tell you the things that you want to hear, but who are the friends that are going to really push you and to really challenge your thoughts, to not just agree with you, but to to really make you answer the harder questions. And I ended up about a year, year and a half ago, finding some of those people. Uh, actually, last year at our big Association of Fraternity Sorority Advisor Conference, I had the pleasure of listening to one of my friends deliver his pre-TED talk. And... During that moment, I had several epiphanies on life, uh, both personally, professionally, and and really kind of decided, I need to move. I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to push myself. And so I kind of pulled him to a, into a little circle, and I pulled another couple of friends into a circle, and, and they were really pushing me and in all of the right directions, but in some of the most uncomfortable ways as well. So how important are the people in your life? in helping motivate you when you're going through change? I would say they are not just incredibly important, but they're essential. They're the ones who are going to push you. They're the ones who are going to ask you where you're at to hold you accountable rather than just saying, well, I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to look for a different job. They're the ones saying, hey, how's the job hunt going? Let me review your cover letter. Let's take a look at your resume. And at that point, you go, oh, man, like this is, yes, this is what I wanted They are pushing me, and I don't like it, but I do at the same time. So, but finding those right type of friends, the ones who are always there, who are always supportive, who have your back, but who will kick in the butt a little bit, I think it's hard to find because oftentimes we surround ourselves with, you know, either yes men who just want to say, you know, oh, yeah, hey, you're, you're great, Dan, whatever you want, Dan. Or there's a lot of people who want to tear you down. I don't know if you've ever mm-hmm. heard the old the old analogy about the lobsters, and I don't know how true this is, but they say that you can keep live lobsters in a box with like a one and a half foot 
uh, side to it and no roof. And the reason for that is when one lobster tries to crawl out of the box, the others will grab it with its claws and pull it back in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a perfect analogy for people because, I mean, you've gone through some big reinvention. There has to be people in your life who tried to stifle you and pull you back. Most definitely. And the hardest part was valuing their opinion and listening to where they're coming from and then kind of coming back full circle of, well, what do I want personally? Because it's not about other people. And for the longest time it was, well, what are other people going to think? And could I even do this? And is this a move that I really want to make? And then I realized I can't control their thoughts. I can't control their perceptions. Only a few people are going to ever know the story. And I'm one of those people and I'm okay with that. Well, I think it's I think it's admirable to be able to listen to that voice inside of you and to find the right people who will help you clarify because I think a lot of people get stuck and so I think that you're a good role model for people who who are like, "Hey, let's go. You only get one shot at this life, right? So you got to go through and 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 live it." And the in- most interesting part about this too is that as as soon as I made the decision to make the move and to really kind of almost have a renaissance, if you will, the amount of other people who have contacted me to ask, hey, what did you do? How did you do this? What's, what's been the process? How have you felt? And just to all of a sudden go from, oh my gosh, I'm on an island to I'm, I'm in a much larger place with many more connected people, some of which I've not talked to in years. And now they're coming out of the woodwork saying, tell me more about this. For me, it's, it's the realization that I've made the right call and I'm doing the right thing. And, and I'm, now able to help others along the way, and that just feels good. So, Dan, I've got a couple more questions for you, but first, I've got to thank the sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Dan Fail. If you want to start a podcast, you need Podfly Productions. Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And we can tell them that we actually had a little Skype problem. The interview actually went down halfway through, and I bet nobody can even pick up on where it happened because Podfly did such a good job of fixing this interview. So we let you in behind the curtain just a little bit. So Dan... We call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What do you think the coolest thing you're doing in your career right now is? I would say the coolest thing that I am have the pleasure and privilege to be a part of is I'm a new hire at the university that I'm at, and I'm supported in terms of a lot of my crazy ideas. I've got a great staff uh, that, I own, that not only I report to, but that report to me. And the coolest thing I'm doing is saying, what if? What can we do next? What's the next iteration? And, and what, what could this possibility look like? And then really trying to inspire the students, because I've got about 2,000 students that, that uh, kind of fall within my realm of possibility, and, and really saying, let's look at this different. Let's look at this with a new lens. And for me, that ability to create, that ability to, to really get in on the ground floor has been something that, like I said, is, that we've talked about has been something building from the ground up is, is rewarding in and of itself. So, Dan, we could talk about you and all the things you're doing in life all day long, but I think the best entrepreneurs and those who have the real entrepreneurial spirit, I think that those people, I think they're observers. So I love to ask the guests on my show, 
Who's somebody out there who's got that entrepreneurial spirit, who you're watching, who you say, hey, they're crushing it? There's, there's two that come to mind immediately. And, and one, you, you and I both know very well, Jessica Pettit. Oh, um, yeah. Well, she's uh, been on this show a couple of times. Exactly. Yes. And, and I actually was uh, with her a couple of weeks ago when she got her big award from our association for her diversity initiatives. Um, she's been an, an integral part in shaping what I end up getting passionate about, whether she really knows it or not, with some of the curriculum that she's created and, and through her keynotes and you know what she just did at the NSA about leaving room for edits. Uh, and her mantra of you know, do the best you can with what you have most of the time. That's become a mantra of sorts for me. Um, and so she's been very influential. And so I continue to kind of follow her, but then she and I touch base here and there about every other week or so. And then another one that I'm following really closely who's become a, a really good close friend is James Robolata. And he's one who, he was the one practicing for the TED Talk where I just continued to have epiphanies. And the more he and I talked, you know, we both went to the same undergraduate and then turns, turns out, you know, we're connected through orientation and I was his orientation leader. And there's so many smaller facets of life that you realize you're connected through this great web. And James is someone who inspires me and is just crushing it. Just released a book, uh, keynote campusing all over, uh, or keynoting all over different campuses and just doing such a great job. And, and he's one where he's become a really good close friend. No, and I met him when I spoke at the Campus Speak uh, uh, meetup for all of their speakers and facilitators, which is actually, I think, where I met you the first time. It is, yeah. And I met him there, too, and he is just one of these people with a great heart. And, of course, anyone who listens to the show knows that, you know, Jessica is one of my best friends. She's like my my extra sibling, and Hmm. she's actually – I talk about my mastermind group a lot on this this podcast, and Jessica is actually part of that mastermind group and is just one of those people who her message – I don't know. I learned – so much from being around her that I can't even I can't even fathom life without her these days because she has mm-hmm. really good insights not only to business and to how to get things done but she also has really good insights to in this multicultural diverse world that we live in you know lots of times you know you can say stupid stuff and I say a lot less stupid stuff because I know Jessica now I I agree I'm the same way well, I am so glad, Dan, that I invited you to be on the show because I think you're going to have a really big impact on a lot of the people who listen because I think there's a lot of people who listen who are thinking, oh, I want to go out and have my own business. Maybe I want to start something. But you've really put into effect how to be an entrepreneur while working inside a traditional industry or field. And so I think you've done a really good job with, with sharing some insights. Is there any last sort of uh, pearls of wisdom that you would like to share with the audience? You know, I saw a tweet that Neen James put out, and I know that you know that name very well, but... She's been on this show, too. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just going to keep name dropping. No, um, she put out this tweet, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. I'm sure it was, because it's 140 characters of of intentionality, but where do you spend your time? Meaning, you know, could you count up how much time you spend playing video games or watching TV or just on a phone call? And that really made me think of where am I spending my time and I've got a stack of books that I look forward to reading, and I've turned off my TV, and yesterday I'm you know, still getting my house settled and turned off the TV, turned on some music, and just continued to, to decorate. I finally got decorated for Christmas. It's, it's coming up, but I'm finally there. And it's those types of things where, where are you spending your time that could make the most value for you? That is powerful. And everybody is spending their time right here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And that is always a good use of time because we bring really interesting people to you like Dan Fail. Hey, Dan, if someone wants to find you like on Twitter so that they can follow you, how, how would they do that? 
I am at Dan Fail. That's F-A-I-L-L. Uh, at Twitter, at Hotmail, at whatever you can find. So were you destined for success with a last name like Fail? <laughs> I don't know how many times I heard that growing up. Well, I hope you don't fail the class. And, you know, it's it's fail, but with two L's on the end. So it's just a little bit better than fail. A little bit more than fail. <laughs> exactly. So I couldn't let this whole episode go because I said your name three or four times. And I thought <laughs> somebody is really thinking, is his last name fail on a it success is. oriented show? So I thought I, ha- I had to put it out there before somebody else did. I appreciate it. So thank you again for being on the show. And to all of you who listen, thanks for tuning in. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another episode and an interview with somebody just as cool as Dan Fail. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.